just like the uh, Swans in 2006 and the, uh, the Doggies in 2016 and the Bombers in 2056. We are breaking the drought and after 165 days, Where Do We Begin is back with a brand new episode. Exciting times here at Where Do We Begin HQ, made even more exciting by the fact that the the golden child, the prodigal son, has returned. Lockie Gibbs, how you going, Matt? <laughs> Jeez, I thought you were building up for uh, building up for Ryan there. I, th- I think you've definitely uh, you've definitely o- oversold me. And I was just thinking when you were talking about droughts, twenty fifty six. I reckon mine's just about that uh, that long at the moment. Listeners, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you back, mate. And it's a- equally a pleasure to have. Back for the class of 2020 series uh, for the first time in six months. So we almost had him on as our, one of our last guests. But Ryan Angwood from the GWS <laughs> Giants has returned to Where Do We Begin. Welcome, mate. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having us, boys. Came to get back into it. It's been, it's been too long. So. But, oh, 100%. I'll tell you what. I feel like we're just becoming the Ryan Angwin podcast, and I like it like that. I think he's one of our last guests, and he's one of our first, one, first ones back, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither would I, mate. Neither would I. But Lockie, do you want to do you want to do the honours of asking the first question back in the uh, taking the reins of the Where Do We Begin podcast? Yeah, mate. And I think uh, it will be a pretty stock standard one for our man Ryan, mate. How, how are you, mate? You're up in uh, up in beautiful Sydney at the moment. Tell us a little bit about how your off season is going. Uh, oh, it hasn't been all that beautiful lately. I suppose there's been a few floods and that around, but um, <laughs> no, I've just been. Chipping away, enjoying a little bit of off-season. Haven't really been up to a whole heap. Didn't go overseas or anything. Just sort of wanted to save a little bit more in the piggy banks. So, um, no, I've sort of just been cruising between here and home in Victoria. And I'll be back up here ready to get get into it in November. Mate, who needs needs overseas when you've got Foster back home? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think uh, we should address your debut game against the Western Bulldogs in 2014, 2014, round 14, <laughs> rather. <laughs> You're not that old, mate. Um, your debut game, round 14 against the Bulldogs. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, it was all a bit of a whirlwind. I remember getting to the ground about two hours early just because I was – it was sort of a night game, so I was waiting all day and I couldn't be stuffed waiting at home anymore, so I just went to the ground. Um, and then, yeah, I was sort of – Starstruck by it all, so it was all a bit too surreal. And then, yeah, I managed to get through the fourth, uh, first quarter all right. And then, I suppose the next three didn't really go to plan. Yeah, I broke my leg in the second quarter. That, that's fine. It all happens for a reason, I suppose. <laughs> Mate, yeah, let's let's dive into a little bit more about what the emotions were around surrounding the debut. You know, I guess achieving your childhood dream, although I presume it was your childhood dream. I know you're an ambitious man, but uh, we'll, we'll just presume it is your childhood dream. What was it like? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, that feeling when you get announced that you're getting um, your debut game is like nothing you've really experienced before, I suppose, except for the sort of draft night, I guess. Um, yeah, you sort of just overwhelmed by all these emotions and you're not only proud like for yourself but like for your family as well like they've been there for the whole journey with you and um yeah for them to be a part of it and then see it all pay off and get to that AFL level um it makes it all that more special and yeah I suppose just the feeling like you're just full of excitement but you sort of got to keep that I suppose hidden a little bit and you can't go a bit too over the top with it but you definitely um you're definitely excited waiting for the weekend. 
So who, who presented you? Who presented you with your jumper? I'm I'm interested because obviously that's a pretty special moment getting your jumper presented by another player or a person within the club. Who who, who presented yours? Yeah, I had a real real good bloke present mine. He's so pretty well, and um, my housemate, Big Prusy, uh, the jumper over. So, you know, a bit of a humbling moment that. <laughs> Speaking of the kind of debut rituals, in the last few years, we've seen a certain type of social media video doing the rounds a fair bit on debut. You, you call your family back home on the on the video call, and the socials team they uh they film that. Uh, I'm not sure if you did one of those, but t- t- tell us about how you told your family and what <laughs> that whole experience was like. Uh, yeah. So first of all, I rang my mum who was at work, so she didn't answer. At all, so that was no good for their content for a bit. Um, <laughs> were were yeah, they filming it? They were filming it. There is a they video were? somewhere. <laughs> um, and I managed to get a hold of Dad and told him, and all he could really say was, shit up. I don't know if he's seen the video or not, but that's what, told him. That's what he said. And then um, about an hour later, I reckon I was having a few photos done just through a bit of social media stuff, and then my mum rang back and thought I was in an accident or something. She was panicking because I've never really told her more than five times in my life. Um, and then, yeah, she came back. She's like, what's wrong? What's happening? Like, what did you do? And I was just like, oh, no, I'm playing this week. And then, obviously, um, she was very happy and I think she started crying. So, that was good. Te- tears shed from yourself, mate? Do I, did I shed a tear? Yeah. I won't lie. Yeah, I definitely did. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. It's like like you said, childhood dream, uh, playing for the the mighty GWS Giants. But uh, uh, let's let's get into the game. Uh, so first quarter, uh, talk us through stepping out onto that field for the first time. First bounce goes down. Get many touches to the ball in the first quarter. What happens? Uh, yeah. So uh, as I don't know, it was sort of a Giants ritual. Started on the bench for some well. Some reason they do that. <laughs> um, also, hadn't played forward in about three or four years, and they decided to throw me forward for the game <laughs> in the side. So that was another toss up. Um, but yeah, all I was sort of thinking, I'd like obviously it's like great to be out there, but you also think to yourself, you're like, I can't go through the first quarter without touching the footy. Like, I'm just going to come in at quarter time and be that flat with myself. <laughs> um, but I remember distinctly like just asking Toby so many times if I was in the right position or not because obviously he's um, pretty much our main forward. I wasn't sure if I was in the right spots 100% of the time or what. But um, no, he put me in the right spots and then I managed to get one or two in the first quarter and uh, my first one was effective, which is like I can stick by that for the rest of my life now. It was a hit kick, which is nice. So. <laughs> And yeah, and then so the second quarter, obviously, I think you alluded to it before, th- things didn't quite go to plan, or that's probably putting it a bit plainly. Do you want to sort of elaborate on that? Yeah, I was sort of, I don't know, I still felt good and that was moving around the ground. And then uh, I went up for a mark in a contest and then came down and my ankle sort of got landed on a bit heavy from someone and just rolled it a bit too much, which, yeah, just forced the ankle to... Snap, I suppose. I had to have a bit of surgery in that. But um, initially, we didn't really think it was broken. And 
the physio just jabbed it and said, I'll be fine to play the rest of the game out, which I think was a bit of a mistake. But <laughs> we got through it. <laughs> so you play the rest of the game with pretty much a broken foot or broken ankle is what is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's sort of what happened. I mean, it didn't really feel like it was broken or anything. Like, obviously, I think you'd know when you've broken your ankle. But, um, yeah, we just thought it was a heavy sprain or something, and we just taped it and jabbed it and um, went back out playing. But during, like, about halfway through the fourth, the coaches took me off, and they got me on the phone. They're like, yeah, mate, you're done. You look terrible out there. (laughs) 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 Um, They knew something was up, and then... Yeah, they all said to me, they're like, oh, you'll be fine, mate. Like, we'll get scans and that, but it'll all come back clear. And then the yeah, next day, he got scans, and then the doc rang me and said it was broken in me, so he's done. That's horrendous, buddy, hell. Oh, mate, um, <laughs> look, Matt, we'll, we'll get back, back to you in a sec. But there was a question that <laughs> – so I remember I'm looking at this Bulldogs game, and I remember it was on a Friday night – and, look, there, there weren't many people there, but the soundtrack to the game was a very high-scoring game, lots of goals. And after every single goal, there was bloody blaring EDM music <laughs> that we could hear. We could just about hear it from Melbourne, um, even without the TV. So, <laughs> as, a, as a player, does that, does that kind of thing shit you? Because it, it shits me. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I don't, don't notice it at all when I play. Like, honestly... When I'm on the field, like, I don't notice the crowd at all. I mean, I'm not sure if that's because our games don't attract as many as Collingwood's <laughs> or whatever. Um, but, yeah, definitely, like, I don't really notice anything until the siren goes, if I'm honest. I'm sort of all just stuck in a bit of wow that I'm out on the field. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, look, I, I am going to start a petition uh, over the offset <laughs> to get that bloody music after goals banned because it – oh. Oh, drives me insane. But lucky. I don't think you're the only one like that, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there like that. Oh, no, I like it, mate. It would have been a bit of disco. I think Ryan has a little bit of disco out on the field, so I think it, uh, I think it suits, him, <laughs> suits him well. And so, yeah, so you alluded to it. So, injury, surgery, mate. What, what was the surgery like? What's the rehab been like? So I'm sure that anybody that's experienced a surgery in their time knows how tough it can actually be and how pedantic you have to be in following it and how. I feel like it's not people who have gone through a surgery before understand it, but people who have just like never played sport before, they don't realise how pedantic and tough it actually is to get sort of get the body back to what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a bit rattling to start with after um, getting told that I needed surgery after we just thought it was a sprain. Um, but, yeah, going through that whole process, I mean, it was my first surgery. I never really done anything like that. Um I've just, I don't know, I've got this real fear of needles, so I think I was more scared for getting needles pre-surgery than I was for the actual surgery. Um, but I had a lot of boys telling me that ankle surgery and that is usually one of the least painful ones to go through. Um, and then, yeah, once got that out of the way on the Monday, I think after the Saturday night game. Um, and then literally woke up from surgery, got pumped full of all the drugs they give you and then from that point onwards I didn't have any pain at all which was nice to go through um, without any aches or anything in the ankle but yeah to be sidelined um, for an extended period of time and then especially being stuck on the couch for two or three weeks doing nothing um, yeah you get a bit toey and um, stuff 
eating your face with a bit of fast food and it all goes south pretty quickly. When you are stuck on the sidelines and you, you're stuffing your face with the McDonald's or, or whatever it is, do, do you have – or how, how much do you have the club people checking on you, the coaches, the physios, the doctors, all them? Uh, oh, pretty much everyone will either um, send you a message or give you a call. They're, um, we're a pretty tight group. Um, I know the year didn't go the way we wanted it to, but we all sort of stuck together in our own way. And, um, yeah, just to know that everyone's there to support you. I mean, not only the club, but family and friends back home, like they're there um, to check in and message and call no matter what. So, yeah, to have that support crew and um, know that they're all just they're proud of you for making that effort to play at the level and do what you can. Um, yeah, it sort of helped getting through that little period where I was stuck here doing nothing um, with my feet up. Yeah, 100%. 100%, Ryan. And now I think the big question to ask, which I'm sure all all fans of the show and both the GWS Giants want to know is, is how's the body feeling now? Uh, Yeah, it's all coming very good. I think I I pretty much finished rehab the first week of finals, so I managed to get home then, which was all right. So it was about an eight or or maybe a nine or ten-week turnaround. Um, but again, it's still I'm not sure like anyone listening has had surgery or whatever, but you can still get those little niggles or aches and pains a few months down the track and that. So I'm still dealing with a couple of those, but coming into November 21, when we start pre-season, I believe I'll be fit and ripe and ready to go for 2023, hopefully. Beautiful. Uh, uh, that's what we'd like to hear. And was that, was that kind of your first major injury for that for that period of time being stuck on the sidelines uh yeah i've broken my arm before when i was younger playing footy but i think having a surgery sort of i suppose takes it to a whole different level i mean i don't know it's a little bit yeah probably my first major injury that i've dealt with so far yeah mate 100 percent, and it's good to hear that you're back so you're back fully running you're sort of getting your getting the body ready for that start of pre-season is that sort of where you are at at this stage yeah, it's definitely where I'm at. I think me and 43 other blokes are getting some sleepless nights about the 2K time trial coming up. So <laughs> that's, um, that's at the top of the line at the moment, even though it's middle of October. So. <laughs> what time are we aiming for? What time are we aiming for? Uh, oh, I'm aiming for maybe a 6.15 at this rate, but you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to go with a long ankle anymore. So anything under seven minutes, I'll be pretty happy with. <laughs> and <laughs> speaking of targets, speaking of goals, how, how did you fare compared to the, the targets and goals you set yourself pre-season? If you if you set yourself any in twenty twenty two, I mean my main goal was to play an AFL game, which was nice to get that. But I sort of wanted to play maybe ten or more games throughout the year, um, and potentially. I was maybe looking that way to play the rest of the games from round 14. I'm not too sure what the coaches were thinking or what. But, um, yeah, I mean, the other stuff to sort of tick off was playing a bit more midfield and trying to develop my body to play at the AFL level. And the opportunities I got in the VFL in the first half of the year um, definitely allowed me to do that, spending a lot more time playing as an inside mid um, and then even half back at times as well. But, yeah, to um, 
Damien Truslove, who has development coach, to um, have confidence in me to play those positions and develop my game that way. Um, and at training as well, um, was definitely a key factor to help me reach that ultimate goal. Mate, yeah, and in super exciting news for not only you, but uh, Giants fans. We'll keep referring to the Giants fans. We know that they're out there somewhere. Um, signed, re-signed for two years, <laughs> mate. 20, and, 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 Parramatta. We, we have. <laughs> end of 2024, mate. You must be pretty stoked as well to sort of have that security. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to sort of go from not knowing whether I was going to get drafted or not to um, having at least four years in the system, um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked and to be spending at the Giants um, yeah I honestly wouldn't have it any other way I love the club and I love Sydney and hopefully I'm there for um, a lot longer than more than four years and was that who, who was the coach when, you, when your contract was extended forgive our lack of research here but it would have been, been Leon it would have been Leon still it would have been Leon still when you first re-signed yeah yeah it was still Leon at the time okay still Leon at the time and well, let, that, that's a good good segue. So let, let's talk about the coaching situation. So Leon Cameron was there for not too long. Then you had Mark McRae, and now you've got Adam Kingsley. So uh, Le, Leon Cameron, let's talk about him because it was, there were was some whispers that he, he might not last too long early in the season. Turns out he didn't uh, kind of – he resigned after, what, 10 rounds or something? Um, so what was that whole process like um, from your perspective as a player? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. I mean, there was a lot of, um, obviously noise around media talking if Leon was going to make it through the rest of the year or not. Um, and I suppose you have whispers in the locker room about, you know, sure what's happening and literally none of us, I don't think, really expected it to happen the way it happened or him to honestly leave that early. Um, but yeah, it was sort of a weird process to be a part of. It was just one morning before the Blues game, um, I think it might have been a Tuesday or a Wednesday maybe, he just he sat us all in a room and we weren't sure what was going on because we usually don't have a meeting before one of those training sessions. And then, actually we do, but he just walked in and he's just like, um, scrap the meeting, just got to tell you boys that I'm done, like um, time's up. And everyone was just like, what the hell is happening? Like this can't this can't be real. Like everyone was so rattled and just like shocked. And yeah, I remember walking out of the meeting, everyone was just like couldn't speak at all. Everyone was just looking around like what the hell is going on? And then um Yeah, literally after Saturday he was he was gone and then Spike was in the um in the head head seat. So it was a bit of a weird switch and it happened all very quickly but um yeah it was a weird weird thing to be a part of. Yeah, I can imagine. But like, what what were those like specifically those first couple of days like? Like between him announcing that he was going, and then sort of like the next couple of days after, you were thinking, well, who's going to come on? Who's coming on board now? Who's going to be like the caretaker coach? Like things are going to change. And then I know that like James Hurd came on board, Dean Solomon came on board pretty quickly to help Spike. Like, it must have been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it was definitely um, weird. Sort of two or three weeks to adjust to at the start. I mean. Uh, I think when he announced that we all knew Spike was going to take over and take the head role, but the changes to come along with it, I'm not sure anyone really expected. There was um, pretty much a whole new game style and whole new sort of defensive tactics to go through and um, to bring Hurdy and Sully on as well. Um, added like a massive boost to our group um, 
yeah, we just did a lot more football-specific stuff, a lot more training. Um, yeah, a lot more challenging stuff during training as well. And then obviously to have Hurdy and Sully's um, expertise out there and guiding us on the field and then on the weekends, um, they definitely definitely developed blokes in the second half of the year, even though it, again, didn't really go our way. Yes, um, so I suppose for the whole year, but yeah, match to come in was, was a bit to adjust to. I was, I was going to say, so with Spike, Mark McVeigh, I wanted to get back to you. So obviously he had, took a bit of a hardline approach and after one of the games, he sort of singled out a couple of players that were committed and players that weren't. I mean, I don't know if you can comment on it, but how is that? Do you have any idea how that was taken by the playing group when that occurred? Um, I believe that possibly could have been after the Swans game and we got bumped by maybe 80 points, which sucked a fair bit. <laughs> um, I wasn't in the rooms after that game. I wasn't there um, hearing what he had to say or anything because um, I couldn't really make it down there on my crutches in time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think throughout the year our group had a lot of honest conversations with each other and... Um, I know it's not great when um, the coaches are singling out blokes and going off the head and that, but to get their message across and a point to prove, not to just throw the year away. Um, I believe from that point onward, it actually had a fair switch in our group and we were pretty committed for the next four or five weeks that remain in the season. Um, and yeah, we needed to have that hard edge and make uh, be tough to play against. And, and that's what, yeah, for the last five weeks, we definitely made a switch. But yeah, I suppose it just wasn't enough throughout the whole year and it wasn't consistent enough either. How, how would you have felt if Mark McVeigh, Spike, got the job for 2023? <laughs> I would have. Um, I wasn't too phased who got the job or what was happening. Um, obviously, everyone at the club loves Spike. I mean, he's been there for nine or ten years, so he's um, pretty much a part of the furniture there. <laughs> um, so I think there was a lot of blokes... Um, honestly, we were sort of expecting him to get it, the way it was sort of leading to and what the talk was around the club. Um, and then, yeah, um, sort of out of, out of nowhere, there was an announcement that Adam Kingsley got it, which, honestly, is a great appointment. I mean, he's been around, he's done a fair bit with Port Adelaide and Richmond and St Kilda. Um, so, yeah, to have Adam on board now and um, a few new coaches as well. It's going to be a different uh, sort of looking club, I suppose, in 2023. But, yeah, going back to Spike, um, he definitely bought that hard edge for the second half of the year. And um, I think a lot of boys are appreciative of him, um, definitely. Uh, I don't know if Lockie wants to touch on uh, Adam Kinsley in a sec, but before maybe that happens... I want to touch on James Hurd because uh, probably lots of Bobbers fans who just lap up any uh, James Hurd associated media. Uh, so <laughs> tell us about what uh, James Hurd, uh, kind of he, his influence and impact on you and the team and his suitability for a senior coaching role. Um, Hurd is a very good analyzer of the game. Like when he just gets out of training or – sits in the coach's room and watches film and that he's um, he pretty much knows exactly what's happening every second of the game um, yeah he's very switched on and to have him Sully and Spike um, in the coaching roles they all complemented each other really well like Spike was a real vocal hard um, 
mentally tough, real type bloke. And then Hurdy was more analytic, like focusing on the game, movements, all of that type stuff. And then Sully was a very good communicator between everyone and was sort of that leveling out sort of base period. So to have them three there was nice. And then, yeah, just chained to Hurdy about positions and how you can play the ball better and how you can play your man better. I mean, his, yeah, his influence and knowledge on the game is second to none. So to have him there for the second half of the year was um, very pleasing. No, that's that's outstanding to hear, and I think Harp is I think Harp is on the money. It's great to hear the different approaches that are uh, that coaches have had on the year, and I'm interested. So obviously, you haven't been coached by Adam Kingsley yet, but um, but have you had discussions with him? Has he like given you a call just to introduce himself and uh, just, just sort of just give you a little bit of a lay of the land? Yeah, I've had a um, chat to the phone, a uh, chat on the phone. Sorry, with him. Um, I've only spoken to him once since he got appointed as the coach, but he seems to be getting straight into it. I believe he's pretty much watched everyone's highlights and everyone's game film, and he, um, he seems to be pretty over it, uh, pretty all over it. Sorry, not over it. <laughs> <laughs> one, one month for the Giants. And, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but no, he seems we'll to be very up. switched on. <laughs> and, um, I think he's looking forward to switching it up and giving the Giants sort of a new look um, coming into next year. What, what do you think that will be? Do you think that will be a bit more of that slick ball movement, the uh, the orange tsunami might be back because obviously you're full of skillful players such as yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, wouldn't say that. Um, I think, yeah, potentially you think it might be leaning toward maybe a more Richmond-type base sort of play style. They introduced, introduced just all our intensity, like, um, yeah, sort of that orange tsunami that you touched on, just going at them and then once the ball's in your hands, just get it going forward and create that real panic um, among other teams. So I feel like potentially could be leading toward that way, especially with his um, coaching knowledge coming from Richmond. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we go toward that. So. <laughs> um. Oh, I'm sure we'll talk about 2023 and uh, the kind of plans and predictions for that when we reconvene in five or six months. But for 2022, uh, obviously different coaches, but can you tell us about how you were used and the, the, the skills that um, got you into the 22 for that game against the Bulldogs, that, what, what the coaches saw in you? Um, going into that game, I had a very good three-week period playing in the midfield, um, in the VFL, that is. Um, yeah, I sort of had a rough start to the year with a bit of shoulder issues and niggles and just wasn't able to get my body right for the first sort of seven or eight weeks. And then to get um, that three-week period in the middle where I was just able to play some like, consistent, like my tasks, my style of footy without any hassle or niggles or anything, Um that sort of got me in shape to sort of play that round 14 game against the Dogs. I was just able to, yeah, to sort of play without any worries or any real, I don't know, yeah, scares hanging over my head. And I was just able to go out with a clear mind and just play footy like you do when you're younger. And then, um, yeah, to have the coaches back me and come in and play was, was great. And you said your style of footy, just, just remind us all of what your style of footy is. 
<laughs> um, well, I'm definitely more of a sort of an outside player with a slider frame, but just being able to be clean with hands, trying to like be one touch and obviously having good foot skills as well um, and backing my endurance to outrun my opponents and just outwork them. Um, yeah, I think that three-week period was where I was able to shine in that those sort of areas and then that's what rewarded me Mate, unreal, unreal, and I'm looking forward. I like that touch on endurance. I'm looking forward to when we touch base in a couple of weeks and just ask how the 2K time trial goes. I'm sure you're, you're steady as you go in the tra- training. And like Harper said, I think we'll discuss more of 2023 in the next podcast. But obviously, just just quickly, what you, I'd love to know what your preliminary thoughts are. Like you said, you'll be playing a little bit of midfield in the VFL. A couple couple of big dogs have sort of uh, have got, gone away, both... Uh, they who shall not be named but so there's a few spots in that inside <laughs> mid is that sort of what you're targeting before pre-season having obviously you haven't been able to have like too much contact with um with the new coach but is inside mid sort of something that you're looking at or is it more that wing role which you've sort of pretty consistently played over your two and a bit year, or almost two years at the Giants um yeah honestly um they can sort of throw me anywhere I like to see myself a bit versatile and play sort of any position but um yeah developing going into year three um building a bit more body size and obviously having opportunity open up um through a few boys leaving unfortunately um yeah you can definitely sort of move to that inside of mid tight role but I think I'll still be trying to push to become a consistent and a very good winger sort of maybe half back or half forward tight role that can just go between there and then if they want to change it up and throw something in the mix and go inside mid for a little bit and try running there as well. But, yeah, honestly, anywhere I'd, on the footy field, I'd be happy to play. So. <laughs> and is it what, – what's the kind of dominant emotion with you, with the new coach coming in and well, the new regime, I guess you could say? Is it excitement, nerves, like – anticipation how are you feeling about it all because uh, it's a blank slate for everyone yeah it is a blank slate I mean we've pretty much got a whole sort of whole new coaching staff and um, yeah to have a new coach come in there is a bit of anticipation there you're not real sure which way the, um, the game plan is going to go and everything that comes along with it and, um, yeah you've got to build new relationships and start fresh pretty much again but I think there's definitely a lot of excitement around the club as well because yeah it's a clean board everyone starts on the same page again and um, going forward you're in it together and um, yeah just to be just to be stuck as one group going forward with a sort of whole new style is pretty exciting and yeah definitely a bit of fun and freedom so yeah, and, and it, I can tell it is exciting and can see how excited you are for it. And it's not just a clean slate in terms of the coaching board, but also the fact that a couple of players have gone out. I won't ask you specifics on what your thoughts are on these players leaving, but I'm interested in, in as a player on the list and, you know, seeing your mates sort of move on, sort of whether it's after two years, four years, six years, like some of the players, like what are sort of some of your feelings like that? Like, are you like, is it disappointment? Is it like, do you sort of understand where, where they're coming from? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested sort of to know what your thoughts are on the whole ordeal. Um, yeah, it can definitely be a bit disappointing um, seeing your mates um, that you've played with for so many years um, sort of want to move their careers on somewhere else. Um, I'm a big loyalty man and like to sort of be a one-club player type person. So 
I'm not too sure how others feel about that, but it is disappointing to see them move on and take their careers elsewhere. But you also got to understand that it's a business and um, they just got to do what's right for them. So you got to accept that and be supportive of them and their decisions. And then, yeah, like you said before, it opens up opportunities for other players to come in and play a role at the AFL level. So as disappointing as it is, it's um, it's exciting for the blokes trying to crack into the AFL side and other blokes trying to develop other positions as well. Sounds like you are very loyal. Yeah, you're loving life in Sydney. No, no go home factor involved with Ryan Angwin. <laughs> um, but we we spoke about we spoke we spoke about the anticipation uh, for Adam Kingsley a moment ago, and look, different topic. Oh, so we're moving we're moving tracks here. I'm just having a look. October twenty first, twenty twenty two. Ryan Angwin, do you know what's happening? October twenty. <laughs> it's oh, it's <laughs> big, uh, long-time listeners to this series will know exactly what I'm talking about. Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight, is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> you pointed out the Adam Kingsley, and I went, "What's happening with Adam Kingsley?" <laughs> I was thinking um, the same thing. <laughs> no, also hey, how do you yes, feel about Taylor Swift's new album? Ex- excitement, nervousness, anticipation. <laughs> Anticipation. It's been a very long time coming. Um, and to see a little track reveals coming out on her stories on Instagram and that is also building building the excitement as well. So I'll be definitely staying up till midnight um, waiting for that one to come on. So. Yeah, I think I think we might have to organise a where do we begin a listening party. I think we I think we might need to te- I think we might need to tee that up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Uh, so you, we were talking about the, the Taylor Swift docker. What's it called? Uh, Miss Americana or something? I think between our podcasts, that's, that's a ripper, isn't it? Oh. It's, um, it's a very good watch that one. I think yeah. During my little off-season breaks, I've watched I've watched that one and her Reputation concert. I think she performed over in America somewhere. Um, so yeah, to have her by my side, getting getting through that obviously broken leg and that. Yeah, she just really calmed calmed me down in my toughest times. Beautiful. I think I've got one more final question for me. I love where the podcast is going. Is what Taylor Swift song describes Ryan Angwin's 2022? Um, There's definitely probably plenty about heartbreak. Maybe we're never getting back together. as good as it was, we can leave. We can leave it in the in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, one more Taylor Swift one for you, mate. So, like this, this, the songs you enjoy are maybe different to the the real sing along songs. The one, the Taylor Swift songs you like to belt out the karaoke or uh, something like that. So, if in a hypothetical world, Ryan, you just won the premiership, you played in the grand final, you just won the premiership, Taylor Swift had performed, and you were going to do a Jack Rewalt and go and sing on stage with Taylor Swift, what song would you be want, want to sing with T-Swizzle? Um, I'm going to go for a more calm approach, sort of just calm down and just embrace the moment type vibe, but I'm going to throw it back to Seven from Focal. That's definitely my favourite song. Wow, um, okay. It's just like a bit of, bit of reminiscing from the good old days. So to just calm the nerves and, <laughs> um, yeah, just bring a cool mind ready, heading into Silly Sunday and Mad Monday. I think that'd be Would good. Would Seven get a run on Grand Final Day? Oh, I'm, I'm dubious. 
<laughs> what would yours be, Harper? I think the listeners need to know. Mm. Yeah. Well, oh, this year would have been a good year to do 22. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. We are never ever getting back together isn't quite the right vibe post-premiership, I don't think. Shake it off, similar, not really the right vibe. Oh, um, I'll do bad blood. I'll do bad blood, just get a you know, bit of R&B, just a little, get a little dance routine as well, practice and sort it. I reckon that's me. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe a bit of love story even. That, oh, Brian Egg would read my bloody mind. Love story. <laughs> yeah, I know a few boys get around love stories, so um, that's a big one to hop a cup up. <laughs> oh, Romeo, take me somewhere where we can be alone. We, we'd be belting that out altogether. <laughs> you better invite us up on stage if you do that, right? <laughs> Just like that. You'd be like Luke Beveridge. We'd be like the two Bob Murphys out in the crowd. You'd invite us up. <laughs> I'd like to invite Lockie and Harper up on the stage <laughs> with Taylor Swift. <laughs> That'd be yeah, quality stuff. Lockie, got anything else? Mate, just nah, nothing else from me, Harps. Just love to uh, thank Ryan for jumping on. It's all, it's always a pleasure, mate. It's always good to pick up the other uh, podcasting mic and jump on jump on with you and have a chat. So appreciate the time as always. No, nah, thanks for having me. Absolutely love getting on here and I'm um, I'll for February or January when we do it again. <laughs> Counting down, down the days, mate. I am. Counting down the days. You're probably gonna be our next episode, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think we will, to our listeners, uh, we will have other Class of 2020 episodes coming up over the next few days, weeks. We know some people are on footy trips and the like, so, look, it might take a while to get uh, a certain few players back on. Uh, but, look, we hopefully we will have them for you. Uh, so, Ryan, thanks for joining us again, mate. Appreciate it. And, uh, well, oh, Lockie, before we go, I think... It's only right to say uh, what we've been doing in the last six months. So, well, you've been working, of course. Tell us, tell us about what you've been working as. Ah, uh, yeah, fun, fun times. I'm sure the listeners want to hear about me. But yeah, so I <laughs> finished uni last year and I've commenced my first year as a graduate lawyer. So just doing my uh, my supervised legal tra- legal training at a firm before I uh, yeah being admit- admitted as a legal practitioner. So fun times. Just been fo- mm, focusing yeah. on that. <laughs> The, the Aussie Saul Goodman. So if you're ever in a bit of strife, give, uh, give Lockie a call. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's really, what, s- that's really what I want the people to think of me. Real unethical. Yeah, I was going to make a meth joke, but look, I don't, I don't want to ruin your career. Like, so I'll leave that. I'll leave that one out. Um, but, um, there are also a couple other podcasts that uh, I've been working on with a few other people, um, and uh, Lockie might actually be coming on one of them sometime soon. Hopefully, uh, if, if everyone's there, if everyone's there, I'm there. So uh, there's that that one is the footy dictionary. Uh, so that's looking at some episodes look at the language of footy and break it all down, the cliches, the phrases and the misuses because uh, there are lots of those kind of cliches and phrases that everyone kind of assumes what they mean. But when you try to break it down, do people actually know what they mean? Maybe not. And then when you hear it get said incorrectly by a commentator, it sounds really weird. So we break all that down. We get some uh, special guests, some famous media types to talk about their niche loves and hates of footy as well. So check that one out. That one's a good laugh for footy fans, the footy dictionary. And then uh, (laughs) soccer fans out there, the golden generation, uh, is also like a rotating paddle type thing about 
Aussie soccer slash football slash whatever you want me to say. So, uh, yeah, those are, check those two out. Footy Dictionary, Golden Generation, get around them. And <coughs> where do we begin? We'll be back uh, a few days, a few weeks, sometime soon. Lockie, thank you, Matt. Hey, always, always a pleasure. Half's nice little plug for yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get, have to bump up the listeners somehow. Um, but appreciate you guys all tuning in as well. Lockie, Ryan, thank you very much. See you all soon. Oh, 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 oh,